Welcome to another episode of Philam Creative Voices. I'm Arlene Della Pena. And I'm Walter Talents. And we have the beautiful, talented Rain Valdez, producer, actress, and writer. Yeah, My you. goodness, you have so many projects going on. Yeah. Um, where I don't even know where to start. I, I don't know where to start either. You have so much going on. I don't on. know where to start. <laughs> um, yeah, it's been good. It's been... It's been good. I have some new projects sort of lined up. I have some that I'm currently working on. And then I have some things sort of in development. And then um, <clears throat> my latest my latest project, uh, Hex, which was a short film that premiered last year at uh, Outfest, just got nominated for uh, Best Director, Best Comedy, and Best Actress oh at the Madrid Asia International Film Festival. Congratulations. Mm -hmm. We didn't win. That's okay. That's okay. <laughs> we found out yesterday. But still, it was like it was my first nomination and well oh. in any of those categories. So it was really exciting. Congratulations. Thank you. Um <clears throat> what well, Hex, is it I'm guessing is is it about witchcraft? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, it has a little charmed. Bit, yes, it has a little bit of magic to oh, okay. it. Okay, absolutely. Like, can yeah. you tell? What's the synopsis? Yeah, it's about um, <clears throat> this woman uh, gets kiss hexed by a homeless person, and she has 24 hours to find somebody else to kiss, or she expires. She basically dies in 24 hours. Um, so the idea of it was my inspiration for it was. You know those old 80s movies that had like magic to them, like the yes. shoe fits, <laughs> yes. or, you know, um, <clears throat> uh, made to order. Like, I wanted to sort of bring back that genre um, to into today's um, culture of filmmaking, and then just put queer people at the center of it. And so we had we had a lot of fun doing it. Awesome. We yeah. should we should have you check out this one movie with a Santo Nino. <laughs> Oh, oh. I, uh, I know about it. Yeah. <laughs> chick. I, I, I totally know about you, it. Coconut you may chick. see a cameo <laughs> no, I was of a, a crazy I was driver. At, I was at one of the very first table reads for it last year before uh, it was oh, even, oh, what? before it was produced, before was that day? before anything ever happened with oh that script. God. It was a wonderful script and I'm so glad it finally got made and um, so congratulations, Meriden. It's, it's amazing. Right so yeah, I, I know exactly awesome. all about that film. Um, but it's just a, it's just so funny because that is like a very '80s yes. thing, right? Yeah, like, it's one of my favorite um, genres. It's like kind of like romantic comedies, where I feel like romantic comedies kind of disappeared for like a decade, yes. and it's starting to make a comeback, which um, excites me as a filmmaker because. Um, well, my short film, Ryan's, is a romantic comedy. Mm -hmm. um, and, uh, you know, growing up, that's kind of how I always saw myself. If, you know, if I ever actually got to act and work in this industry was mm -hmm. was rom-coms. And so, um, so yeah, it's, a, it's an exciting time. And how long have you been a filmmaker? Um, well, I've been in this industry for over 10 years. I... When I first moved out here, I got myself in an acting class and I just started, you know, really studying the craft and went out for auditions, waited tables and, you know, had little survival jobs here and there. But um, I got a little disenchanted with the industry because um, I kept getting these roles that were very just like, 
I don't know, tokenizing or objectifying. Right. Um, and it was, it was very disenchanting uh, because I was a no-name. Nobody knew who I was. I wasn't going out for roles that I really wanted to play. So I kind of quit acting for a while and got a job in post-production. Okay. And I started learning how to finish a film. I started... Um, Editing. I started as an assistant editor and then kind of worked my way up as an editor and then eventually became a digital intermediate producer. Wow. That was my official title. Um, and basically what that job entails is producing the finishing aspect of feature films. So I got to work on Pitch Perfect and oh, cool. Laggies and, you know, several, several films that... Um, were really fun. I'm sure that's and a then, huge advantage too, knowing all you know yeah. everything in post because I don't think people have a good appreciation of how long um, a film takes to make and how long it can stay in post. And yeah, I mean it's it's crazy. It's so yeah. wild. And the the great thing about working in post was I had learned so much about how to finish a film, mm -hmm. you know, codecs and cameras and you know all of this, you know software yeah. um, and it made me um, want to start writing and directing so it kind of because I knew post because I knew how to finish and I knew what my end product uh, was going to look like mm -hmm. um, it made me a better decision maker as a writer and director and producer because I already know what what I could do uh, with the finishing work so that's kind of the start of um, my filmmaking career, one of my best friends who co-wrote and co-directed uh, Ryan's with me, Natalie Heltzel, we met in post-production. And we were both, you know, uh, filmmakers. And so we just kind of like, well, we need to do our own thing. Um, <clears throat> because we had our post-production facility as a resource. So we would shoot our own stuff. We would write and then we'd shoot it. And then we would bring it to our own post house yeah, and just awesome. and then finish it. And <laughs> then we have awesome. a short film that looks cinematic because yeah. we have this this access um which is you know very rare in this town no um, to have that to have that access so just geek talk real quick so you <laughs> learned uh avid like as an assistant uh editor um it was final cut pro oh okay yeah i did work on avid for a minute but we mainly at that time it was final cut pro and then we moved into premiere mm. ah yeah okay i'm just and it's a geek talk just because I, I was yeah. just having a discussion about that with a, a, a There are a lot of editor. people who prefer Avid versus yeah. Final Cut Pro. Yeah, and, and we're just debating yeah. about like studios, uh, like, you know, what if they've converted or which shops, blah, blah, blah. So yeah. it's kind of a, sorry, it's a tangent conversation. Yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, I, I think it's a, it's a good thing because I, I hear about that too, you know. I mean, I'm not an editor. Like, mm. ugh, God, I try like to like do simple yeah. things and like it takes me forever. So I just don't have... Um, I guess like the natural talent to to do it, and uh, and I do hear people talk about it a lot, especially like people who have worked in post houses mm -hmm. or have been an editor for a long time. You know, it, it seemed like, and I don't know, you can correct me, guys, uh, if you you know, it, but Avid seemed to be like everybody used Avid, mm -hmm. and then there was you know much more and affordable, then, yeah, um, uh, and more user friendly maybe mm -hmm. uh, programs that came out, and then people started. Switching yeah. over to and that's kind of when uh, Final, Final Pro, Pro yeah. um, came in because it became this user friendly and then Premiere software that was yeah. portable. Well, Premiere yeah. basically took the best features of Avid and Final Cut and incorporated yeah. into theirs. Um, and I think uh, the only the nice thing about Avid is the fact that it's file sharing. 
like that's why a lot of studios and TV shows still use it oh, because I see. assistant editors and editors can like they can assemble it and then the editors can go <clears> in <throat> and work on it blah blah blah. Yeah. So it, it really depends on what you're using it for or like what your end product is. So like for commercials, trailers, um, I in short films and stuff like that, like and independent films, like a lot of people use Final Cut and Premiere just because they don't have to do that file sharing. Because with Avid, you need to like have like a hard drive, like a network a hard drive. Like the studios has this like servers. Mm. <laughs> so Damn. sorry, guys, little. <laughs> like anyway uh, so you guys probably fast forward now to the <laughs> let's go back to rain <laughs> so, so rain where did you grow up did you I, um, did you grow up here in the states well i was born in the philippines um i grew up in guam oh cool which part yeah. of the philippines <clears throat> uh, i was born in manila but okay. my family is in laguna now <gasps> what yeah. i have family in laguna yeah? oh my yeah. goodness yeah, oh, that's cool. where they are now. Cool. Dude, small yeah. world. Uh, I haven't been there in so long. I'm oh, so you trying haven't... to make a trip back soon, what? hopefully soon. So different now. <laughs> yeah. So how old were you um, when you were in Guam? I, we migrated when I was four. Oh, okay. So uh, born in the Philippines. My mom remarried um, a Guamanian. And then so we migrated there to be with him and his family. And then they had, my mother and my stepfather had um, three other kids. So I have two half-sisters and one half-brother. So there's mm. five of us total. Okay. Yeah, and then I was pretty much raised in Guam. I went to high school there and um, moved out here when I was 19. Oh, cool. What's, yeah. what's Guam like? I know. I've, it's I've kind of wondering. like, um, <clears throat> it's, it's kind of like uh, Hawaii, like mm -hmm. a small tropical island our main industry is tourism mm. very quiet great place to like raise a family um was it a cultural shock then when you came here not really because it was it was it's an american island um so we were exposed to american culture so when i and i've always and you know i watched a lot of american tv and american movies and mm -hmm. so it was it was a slight culture you know because city life shock, i mean shock but it wasn't it wasn't I mean, and that, that it's where I wanted to be, so I was more excited to be here than shocked. And you came to California anyway, so there's a lot of yeah. Asian Americans or Filipino Americans in Chamorros, right? Mm -hmm. Are there? <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> I mean, when I moved out here, I... Well, if you went to Daly City... Yeah, I, I, I was sort of like in the heart of... Beverly Hills and Hollywood. Oh, and oh yeah, yeah, girl. Yeah, 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 yeah. So yeah, so there <laughs> yeah, was, no. I did not have so a little, community. It's a little, um, a little bit different. Kind of had to find my way around. <laughs> I'm glad we brought you here to historic <laughs> Filipino town. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. But, no, um, one funny thing is like whenever like my ch um, Chamorro friends, I, like I go up to them and be like, "Hey, so are you Filipino?" And they're like, "No, I'm Chamorro." I was like. Oh, so Filipino. <laughs> just just to mess with them. <laughs> they get so mad. I'm surprised you're not <laughs> six feet you, under yet. I'm surprised you have I'm surprised you have tomorrow friends. I have I have no tomorrow friends. Oh, really? Yeah. Not but, here in LA. What? Yeah, there's there's, there's some, some here. There's yeah. a community yeah. even Bay Area. From tomorrow being like from Guam. Yeah, from Guam. Oh, but wow. I, I feel like it's because people mistake them for Filipinos. So yeah. you they don't you don't think about it or you just assume yeah. sometimes. Because I'm like, oh, start talking to them in Tagalog. They're like, I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> well, that's like being in, because I, I went to high school in Texas. And, you know, it's like primarily Hispanic. And everybody just thought I was Hispanic. Yeah. 
And then they would try to yeah. talk to me in Spanish, and I'm like, oh man. Yeah, I some no people idea. think I'm um, Hispanic and will speak Spanish to me, which is, I think it's a compliment. Like, yeah, sure, I'll. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, what's that? I, I always no, find I'm it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but thank you. Like, un poco, un poco español. Yeah. <laughs> but like, people think I'm Nepalese. Really? For some reason, yeah. How interesting. That's so really? specific. Yeah, I know. I love how like, that's so well, like, are you Nepalese? Is this in Italy? I'm just kidding. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Side joke for, like, for another episode. <laughs> Call back. No, no, no. Because I went to Nepal and like the locals there uh, would come up to me or tourists would come up to me and thinking I was like a local because like I grew my hair. I was like, my hair was growing out. And I had really? A little, yeah. And then, um, and our tour guide would just play a joke on people because, like, <laughs> uh, when you're going up like the Everest and or the Himalayan mountains, like the guys going up usually are trying to get they exchange because you know, there's no internet really, right? So they talk to the guides and it's like, hey, what's the weather like up there? Blah blah blah. So the locals going up asked my guide who was coming down, like, hey, who's uh, you know, what's the weather up there? He's like, no, 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 I'm just, I'm just an assistant. That's that guy's the tour guide. He's, oh my goodness. He points at me and he's like, they, so they're like, okay. So they come, like they cross this room and they come talk to me and they're like, and I'm, I'm there with my friends, but they're like, they're all, you know, they're white, like the Europeans and American and Brits. And he's like, they start talking to me. He's like, blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, oh, <laughs> what? I'm sorry, what? He's like, oh, I'm like, and I re and I looked at my tour guide and he was like laughing his ass off. I'm like, Sorry guys, I'm not Nepalese. And That's what you get. Yeah, and then, yeah, and then they looked at me like I was lying, and I was like, <laughs> I mean, it, I think it's a compliment when people like mistake you for something, right? Whether yeah. it's Hispanic and or you know, yeah, Guamanian. Because it's, it's like people are always constantly guessing. Have you ever tried playing along with it? Um, no, especially when it's here in LA. I just because they'll. It's hard to play off of it when, if you know, because they don't know the language. Yeah. So. Yeah. 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 You know what I mean? Like, yeah. like mm, no, <laughs> not Spanish. <laughs> not gonna happen. <laughs> no. When you first moved here to, so where'd you move when you got to America? Uh, here in LA. Like <clears throat> Beverly Hills, you're saying? Yeah, I stayed with my uncle who lived. Um, like Beverly Hills adjacent, like n like very close to the uh, Beverly Center. Oh, okay. Yeah. I feel like that should be a movie. Like Guamanian moves to <laughs> Beverly Hills. Yeah. It's like a very contrast. That's a contrast, would you say? Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean. I, but I loved it because my other option was to stay with a friend of mine who was living in Orange County. And oh, I originally I thought that I would stay with her, but then... Um, when I got when I got here and I was with my uncle for a few weeks, she had come to pick me up and then we went to Orange County and we kind of hung out there for a minute and I was just like, nope, I kind of want to go back to uh, Beverly Hills because um, it's such a different it's a different it's vibe, a different vibe completely. And I yeah. wanted to be in this in the in the city vibe. I wanted to be in you know near Hollywood, near you know the excitement of. Where it I happens. don't even know how people like travel, you know, from from outskirts LA proper you know because the traffic is mm. horrendous and yeah because I live on the west side and just driving from the west side to here took like more than an hour and yeah. so I don't I can't even imagine for like true story LA. guys a lot and of people too much and, <laughs> yeah. what yeah what people who are like outside of LA probably don't understand that like 
that one hour is only a distance of like 10 miles, I think, or less than that. Yeah. yeah. For me, it was, yeah, I think nine, mine was nine, nine, ten nine miles. Ten miles. <laughs> and yeah. it takes an yeah. hour. <laughs> yeah. It's wild. Yeah. <laughs> but then you realize if you've been like, well, Philippines, man, that's even worse. That's like, dif- that's different. Yeah. That's, you've driven. Yeah. I mean, it's sort of, it kind of put things in perspective, right? Like being from, um, from a third world country, that's, that's, there's no lanes, you know, so it's like so <laughs> anything is a lane. Of, anything, yeah, exactly. There's <laughs> lanes. It's okay. just suggested. No one, no one um, follows. The lanes. So kind of just put things in perspective in terms of, um, which is why, like, I always try and live in a place of gratitude because I could easily be in the Philippines where you know there's no AC or there's, you know, it could be hot. Um, yeah, so. I think that's the thing that strikes me the most about you is how humble you are. Oh, like you, you have like seriously like like your resume alone, um, e- even you know without the acting, like the things that you've done, uh, working behind the scenes and pose, like it's amazing. Thank you. It's amazing, and um, and for those of you, um, I I had the opportunity to meet you during a panel at mm. I believe it was Citrus College. Um, yes. Right. It, it was. Yeah. Forgive me, <laughs> Citrus College, I think. So, um, and and it was really amazing to hear your story and how you you know really went from the post world into acting and even mm. um, how you were able to get lines you know on Transparent and mm. and yeah. uh, can you share that story with everybody? It's so inspirational. Yeah. Well, uh, Transparent was the first job where I kind of was living out and proud as an Asian American trans woman. Prior to that, working in post-production, no one knew about my trans identity. I didn't, I never talked about it, I never disclosed. Mm -hmm. I didn't have to. Um, Fortunately, I didn't have to. Um, And, um, but yeah, I kind of wanted something, I was searching for just something more deeper and something more honest and truthful and, and more me and when I had the opportunity to work at Transparent, um, it was such a great way to get into a community of like-minded folks who were filmmakers, but were also, um, you know, people from the community. And you know, I started working behind the scenes. I was the director's assistant, and then worked my way up to a coordinating producer and um, the creatives of the creators of the show, Jill Soloway knew that I was also an actor and a filmmaker and treated me that way when she, when they would introduce me to people, they would say, you know, they would say, this is Rain Valdez, uh, she's a filmmaker. Um, And that really meant a lot to me, Mm -hmm. I I felt seen. Um, And and, on season four, I I got to be on screen. I had a little co-starring role. which took place in the 1980s because it was a flashback scene. It was hmm. we were diving into um, Alexandra Billings's character Davina's uh, backstory, and so we went back to uh, the 1980s where there was a pageant being um, oh yeah um, that happening, and I was Miss Van Nuys, <laughs> um, and uh, was first runner-up, so I didn't win. But um, but it was a, it was such a fun day, and it was such a fun just to go back into that time period. And, um, you know, the show has has done a lot, Transparent has done a lot for me in a personal level, but also career-wise. It's it's uh, 
it's done a lot for me because it wasn't, it was after season, it was between season two and season three when I wrote and shot Ryan's and mm-hmm. Ryan's was that, <clears throat> that sort of catapult that um, kind of changed the game in terms of my career. I thought, I thought it would help me get writing jobs or directing jobs, but it actually helped me get acting jobs, which is oh. kind of awesome because that was my first love anyway. Um, it helped me land the role on Lopez, which was a reoccurring role. Um, and speaking and it, of Lopez, mm, your character on Lopez is like Coco, so opposite. Coco like, the diva. So because during the panel, we were able to see, uh, you know, kind of this montage of the things that oh, okay. Rain has done. And, and it's so funny because, you know, I, I was watching, I was like, she's so mean. <laughs> like, she's very, she's like, very fierce. She's sort of, <laughs> and that's the funny thing. When I was in acting school, my teacher told me, um, you're going to play the um, angry, pretty girl with a heart. Like that, that's, <laughs> you're just, that's what you're going to be playing. And I, I was like, you know, like what? I was so shy. I was so quiet. I had no idea what, what he was talking about. But, mm-hmm. um, but he would constantly assign me those roles that were, you know, angry and mean and very like, you know, mean girls. Um, but I would always, I would always play it with a vulnerability and with a heart. And he would always make sure that that it was that you know, f- um, when you do a character breakdown, when you're working on a scene and you're you know doing you're do, you're studying the character, make sure to find out why that character is that way, um, <clears throat> so that it's coming from a real place. Mm-hmm. And so when I got the audition for Coco, it was just kind of a no-brainer for me because I was like, oh, I know this girl, I, I know this <laughs> character because this is what I've been studying to play for a really long time. Um, so yeah, it was it was a very fun. It was a very fun experience. Um, going back to earlier what you were saying, like when you were early in acting, you were saying, mm-hmm. you're, you said that um, you were getting kind of like stereotypical roles and whatnot. Like, can you explain to some folks like, uh, and to myself, like, I'm just curious, like what exactly, like what were you, what kind of stereotypical roles were you getting? And then yeah. what is it that you wanted or saw yourself doing or um, as an actor? Yeah, well, the roles... Well, first of all, no one knew who I was. So the roles that I would go in for were co-starring roles or guest star roles or, you know, little uh, under five, meaning like one-liners or two-liners. And um, the roles that would come in were, you know, sexy roles or nerdy Asian roles and um, a nerdy Asian with an accent. Um, And I don't really have an Asian accent. I don't, um, because I grew up in Guam, I kind of Mm. got rid of it. Yeah. Purposely. Um, <laughs> and, you know, and part of it was because I wanted to fit into society. And, and I, ha- I, you know, in my head, in order to do that, I have to sound like everybody else. So I kind of just acclimated to um, my surroundings. Mm-hmm. But when I got here and I was auditioning and I was, I was acting, um, it was frustrating because whenever I would go into, like, you know, a sex, you go out for like just a character who's beautiful or pretty. It's, you know, it's, I'm pretty, but like, oh, she's not hot enough or she's not sexy enough or um, she's not Asian enough or, you know, um, those were the comments that I would, I would, I would get feedback wise from my, from my manager or my agent at the time, if we even got any feedback. Um, or sometimes this, the, the script was just bad. You know, it was just like, this is bad. Like, you know, 
Asian people don't talk like this or I don't talk like this yeah. or, you know, it's very objectifying. Um, <clears throat> and just, you know, it's kind of, it's, it's, I was unconscious about it at the time. It mm -hmm. was something that I was uncomfortable with, but I was unconscious to why I was so uncomfortable with it, which so led to just quitting entirely. Yeah. Um, there's such a tokenizing, um, you know, Hollywood is, has a reputation of tokenizing um, Asian people, mm -hmm. um, the black community, and um, just anyone who's not white, really. And so, so that, 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 was, that was really hard. And when I got the Lopez role, which was one of my first big TV roles, you know, I, I got to say um, to George Lopez, I'm not here to be your token. And it was a line that resonated so much with me because prior to that, all of the little roles that I would go out for were very, were very much just to tokenize. That's awesome. And I mean, was that, did you get to work with them on that line or that was someone from the writing team? Of no, Lopez it was already written. There was one line that I changed that I, well, there were several lines that I had to change. I had to go to the writer and say, hey, I can't say this and this is why. And they were all great about that. But that line um, had already been written, um, <clears throat> uh, which, you know, which is one of the reasons why I fell in love with the character because she was so strong and ballsy and just like, you know, said whatever. She needed. She. I mean, she was saying things that I wish I could have said. Yeah. And um, so that's one of the things that I appreciate about that experience. Kudos to the the Lopez writing staff. Yeah, right? TV land. <laughs> TV land is where it's at. Yeah. <laughs> it's funny though. I just tangent. Like I had, um, I got a audition or a, a role for that. Like I auditioned for this role. They gave me the 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 sides, <clears throat> and the description too was just like. Uh, Blah, blah, I forgot the character's name, whatever. Da, 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 da. Speaks with an Asian accent. And I'm like, what? So I emailed him. And I'm like, uh, is there a specific Asian? What's this Asian accent? He's like, no, just an Asian accent. Like, like any? Yeah. Like, oh. Yeah. I was like, That's what? weird. <laughs> yeah, didn't go to that audition. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's definitely like, like a lot of, I mean, especially like, you know, as a woman, like they, like, the whole sexy part. I mean, I've done, mm -hmm. I've done, um, you know, photo shoots where they, you know, they describe the character as like this, like super, like strong, you know, powerful female, and and then they want me to put on like, you know, a specific attire, and then mm -hmm. they're like, oh, can we just make it a little bit more sexy? And I'm like, dude, I will like, I will like be showing my pepperonis to everybody. Yeah. Like, like this goes any lower. And that's Please. not okay. And, or like, <laughs> sorry, I'm a mother. <laughs> that's what happens. They don't go back. They don't go back. Oh, jeez. Tips for everybody. <laughs> <laughs> but, but anyhow, um, yeah, or like, um, you know, I've done, you know, other things where they'll change the wardrobe and they'll want me mm. to wear like the smallest bikini that they have. And I ask for it, like, do you have anything more covering and they're like mm. you don't need it i'm like no i do like yeah. this is well, like i'm not comfortable so like, like they're this. like you come on set they're like oh yeah we're gonna try to like, give you an xl shirt and then they're like they take one shot I was like yeah yeah it's not gonna work let's change the wardrobe and then they give you like pasties i i was i was literally <laughs> like in like a fully covered uniform and then i was asked to go change and then like it was like this pool scene and they were like oh um 
you know, uh, what size do you wear? And I'm seeing like they're just changing like these mm-hmm. other people into like, you know, kind of like like really laid back, like tank top shorts yeah. and hoodies or whatever, right? And I was like, oh, sweet, perfect. Mm-hmm. I would prefer, you know, to just be like more covered up. Mm-hmm. And they're like, what size? And I'm like, oh, small. And then they hand me like this like triangle bikini and I'm like, mm-hmm. damn it. <laughs> like, yeah. what, what is this? And so, yeah, and it, it's kind oh, of- uh, Bait it, and switch. It's, <laughs> it's such a, no, they refuse. And then all of a sudden when I asked that, I became the difficult, the difficult person. And I was just like, why yeah. is this? Okay. I don't Doesn't care. that suck? Yeah. That, yeah. Like, and no one, no one preps you for that. Vocalize no one you. your preference. All of a sudden, you're the difficult person. It's right. just like, what? Like, how is that That's even? fine. I'll be difficult. Yeah. <laughs> I'm happy to be that. That being said, like, I'm just wondering, as a filmmaker, as an actor, mm-hmm. and um, with your experience, like, what kind of advice would you give actors who are placed in that position that I was in? Like, you know, like, getting an audition that's uh with generic accent like you know that like mm-hmm. they didn't really put much thought in that character or the bait and switch kind of situation you know like mm-hmm. man or woman like uh w- yeah what's your advice yeah well <clears throat> as as an actor i think you know if you're not working regularly on a tv show or on a film your job is pretty much to go on auditions mm-hmm. like that's that's your job, and that's where you should be making a priority if you if you want to succeed. And for me, it's about it's about picking your battles. It's mm-hmm. about like, is this a script? Is this besides the audition that I want to do? I want to fight this. Do I want to you know just complain about it or whatever? Or should I just go in there and do my job and you know ma- win the room? Sometimes it's about just winning the casting director. Yeah. And so you know, for me, it's. I have turned down auditions. I have mm-hmm. turned down roles, but I'm at a point where like I've been auditioning for so long that I I already know if this is a role that is worth my time and their time. Mm-hmm. Um, but then there's some where I kind of want to turn it down, but I'm like, no, I should just go in there because it's a casting director that I would want to meet or that I would that I would want to at least see my work. Yeah. Um, and it's and it's one of those things where like you know when I auditioned for for Coco on, on Lopez, there was a line that I, you know, I, I, I wouldn't say, I couldn't say, but because it was just at an audition stage, um, I wanted to do my best as an actor and I went in there and I did the audition and I said that line. Mm-hmm. And when I booked the role, I, um, told my, I, I asked my manager to let them know, to tell them that I can't say that line because of these particular reasons. Mm-hmm. And so when you, when you, I think the priority should be to go to the audition and try and book the gig. And if there's an issue with the character, then you know once you have the job, you can you can you can probably work with a writer, and they mm-hmm. could probably okay. you know they're and advocate for yourself. yeah and advocate for yourself, which I think is really important. But you have to do it in stages. You can't do it. You can't yeah. do it when you're not blazing. even. You can't no, do it yeah, when you're not totally, even in the room. Yeah, that totally makes sense. Yeah, trying to do it, trying to change things. You know that's that you don't even have is like it's, I'm it's just curious of, though how does that answer change when you when mm-hmm. it goes to like those people starting out and like it's copy credit <laughs> and meal <laughs> kind of oh deal like I, I get what you're saying with the these the paid or TV shows but how yeah. do you feel if it's like copy credit meal kind of well the copy credit meal um, that that's or, an or opportunity yeah. that's an opportunity for young up-and-coming talent to kind of get some 
material. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, I did copy credit meals for a really long time just to get some footage of myself, just to get some experience and meet a community of young filmmakers. Um, so, yeah, I think I think if you're if you're just moving to L.A. or if you're just starting out as an actor, I think that's the first thing you should be doing is you have um, to start somewhere. Yeah, you have to start somewhere. You have to pay your dues. What kind of I guess reception have you been getting about with your films? Um, like mm. talk about like you know whether it's Hex or um, Ryan. Mm. Like what's the reception like with you know the people who just watch it? Whether it's just with your family mm -hmm. or the friends or just the public. Well, the public reception has been very positive and amazing, and um, Ryan's what Ryan's and Hex did. For you know the um, well, for me and for my friends and for the community was kind of brought a positive depiction to um, <clears throat> trans characters because transgender characters in the past historically have been played by uh, cisgender actors mm -hmm. and have been um, vilified, shamed, and you know um, ostracized out from the community and um, time and time over again. And, uh, you know, I kind of wanted to reverse that narrative with, with my films. I kind of wanted to show Hollywood and the world that, you know, we do deserve to be loved and that we do have love in our lives and that we are funny mm -hmm. um, <clears throat> and that we can tell stories and that we can play characters that have, that have n nothing to do with our trans identity because mm -hmm. a lot of times... If we're not writing our stories, if cisgender people are writing our stories, there's a tendency to focus on the transition, on mm -hmm. you know that specific thing. Which, um, but we're so much more than that, and so, <clears throat> um, so I think, I think my when my films screen at festivals or you know when people see it on, on um, the platforms that it's that it's on, it's it's so different from some of the stories that we're seeing, because sometimes queer uh, and trans stories tend to focus on the, the, tra the tragedy, mm -hmm. um, where mine just, you know, didn't, it was just, wasn't really about any of the characters transitioning. It was just kind it's of like about- a love story. Yeah, their lives, you know, falling. It's about love. It's about relationships. It's about friendships. Um, and also it's, it's, you know, it helped me with my, my new project. Um, yeah. The public pretty much knows, or at least my community knows that um, as a filmmaker, I know how to deliver. So when I crowdfunded Razor Tongue, you know, people, because people knew of Ryan's and Hexed, they they didn't have a problem um, contributing to the, to, the, awesome. to the fundraising campaign because, oh. They, well, you Rain, delivered already. Yeah, Rain delivers and she delivers good stuff so <laughs> it's like say it say it you can say it say it good what yeah <laughs> so you know it's but that was a learning process for me I had to kind of figure that along the way I didn't know that a lot of the the fundraising and the contribution would actually come from my my Co fan base or you know the my, community. my community which so, was kind of amazing um tell the folks what what razor tongue is then Razor Tongue is my new uh, seven-episode web series. Um, I'm really excited about it. It's um, it'll be coming out soon, sometime 
in a, you know, sometime in the fall, I hope. Okay. Um, we're still trying to no figure out dates. No set release date yet. Okay. Yeah, no set release dates, but we we do have, um, there's just some things I can't talk about, but it's it's exciting because we're at a, we're very close to um, the finishing work of it and starting to get it out of the public. But it's about a, a trans woman who, in her own <clears throat> life, starts to expose and call out the misogynistic behaviors that happen around her in her life with certain men. Like the first episode, she's on a blind date and he doesn't let her have a word in edgewise. And she starts, at the end of it, she starts calling him out on what he did wrong on the date. And the second episode, she's at a job interview and he um, is a typical sort of like, you know, a man in control who um, doesn't ask the appropriate questions that you should be asking at a job interview. and. Um, so she calls him out on that. And um, so throughout the process of doing this, she kind of falls in love. And then she's offered a job at a, at a live podcast. And um, she finds herself in a crossfire <laughs> of consequences when she's antagonized into calling out the person she just fell in love with out publicly. Oh so my it's goodness. sort of like a dark drama, dark comedy. <laughs> With uh, dramatic elements, um, that's like so razor tongue. <laughs> yes, yes. So is it um, like how long are, are each episodes? Each episode or is about expected. four or five minutes. Oh, I think okay. the last episode is six minutes. Oh wow! Yeah. So it's like it's kind of like a lot of stuff going on in that in that six minute because I mean that sounds like to set <laughs> yeah. that up. Yeah, <laughs> it's basically like overall it's sort of like a half hour, like if we put it all together, it's sort of like a half hour pilot presentation. Mm -hmm. oh, we kind of wrote it where it could be like a half hour um, show, mm -hmm. but then we broke it up into little episodes um, <clears throat> to, to tell the story of uh, and the journey of this character. How did you find your community and how important yeah. is community to you? Oh gosh, it's very important to me. Um, well, you know, my... Some of my best friends I um, met in acting class mm. uh, years ago. So we've known each other for years. And acting class was kind of like my college. I was, I was in it for six years. It was, you know, it was, it was my life. It was, um, <clears throat> so, um, and then that carried over to, uh, you know, work. Sometimes you, you create communities at work and then, um, but uh, my community now, which is, you know, I, I'm excited about it. It's it's an it's an artist collective uh, called Now Ever Artist, okay. uh, which is short for Now More Than Ever, and um, we get together twice a week. I'm sorry, twice a month, like bi-monthly, and we um, do live script readings of original content. Some, oh, cool. so, you know, uh, a script that's written by someone in the collective, and the collective is very queer, female, trans. Um, base mm -hmm. where inclusive not exclusive so you know um cis people could join the join the collective as well but um that's kind of how we were able to start sort of producing some of what we've produced and razor tongue being the first one um as a collective we decided that this was the first one we were going to tackle on as our first uh production so we crowdfunded the heck out of it and um <clears throat> And it was such a testament to the collective and how just driven and how eager um, we all are to tell our stories and, um, you know, and, and really do the work um, 
to change the narrative of of queer and trans people. Um, so community is 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 very very important to me, and I I wouldn't be where I am today with without my without my community. Um, sisterhood is also very important to mm-hmm. me. Um, <clears throat> you know, Trace Lissette is an actress, and um, but she's also my sister and one of my best friends, and we sometimes will go out for the same roles um, and we'll talk about it for, you know, like, did you get that audition? Like, I was like, no, I didn't. I was like, yes, I got it. You know, we would go out for the same roles and, but we support each other and we love each other. And there's the, and, and obviously, you know, we're both actors. So there's the competitive aspect, Mm -hmm. but when one of us wins, you know, we, we all win. And so, um, uh, it's, it's, it's important to have. Um, I just want to, want to come back to like something about you said earlier about being an actor and um this the the way they treated you being trans and all that like but being asian and then trans like how did that how much more difficult was that for you if you don't mind talking about that yeah um mm. well you know it's one of the reasons why i i kept my trans identity to myself for a very long time because as an Asian American, you know, woman, a Filipina American woman, um, things were already hard mm-hmm. um, in this in, in this industry, and mm-hmm. I was always the only one in the room. Um, it was very challenging, and I was always in service. You know, every job I was in, even when I was the digital, even though when I was a digital intermediate producer, I had a very um, <clears throat> fancy title and a nice desk, but I was also in service to, you know, the owners of the company. Mm-hmm. And um, even though I was doing most of the work, my paycheck didn't reflect, you know, their paycheck. So it was, it was already hard. And I thought that um, coming out as trans and adding another label, you know, Asian American trans women, that... Um, it would just get harder for me in this career. Mm-hmm. But thankfully and fortunately, um, it didn't go that way. It kind of, you know, the movement um, kind of took steam. And um, and I was fortunately in a place where I could be a part of that and start changing the language and the, the you know, the, the, the depictions by being a part of, um, you know, the, the, the writing and the storytelling and, yeah. and, and the acting. And, um, you know, it's, it's a lot of it, too, is just, <clears throat> and for me, it's just one of those things where it's just part of the job where mm-hmm. I, have to, I have to constantly talk about it. I have to constantly talk about my experience as an Asian-American trans woman in every space that I'm in. Um, and, it, you know, it's, it's sort of like a responsibility. And so I don't, I don't get tired of it. I, there are times when I'm just like, sometimes I feel like I'm repeating myself mm-hmm. because, because I am, <laughs> I am repeating myself, but there's an importance to repeating myself because we're still in a place where, um, you know, trans women of color are, are being killed. Uh, 27 right. trans women were murdered last year and 13, uh, the 13th, trans women of color was just murdered this week. And so 
That's a lot already. And um, <clears throat> and it's because of, I believe that Hollywood, um, you know, plays a huge part on how society and cultures are shaped. And if you look at the history of filmmaking in the last 150 years, all, you know, all the trans characters um, that we've had on TV and in film were played by cisgender actors mm -hmm. and played it in a way that was, um, that created danger for our community um, because the characters were always vilified and were always reminding the audience that it was played by a man. So therefore, um, society thought that that's what that's what we are or that's you know that's um, who you really are yeah is, yeah yeah <clears throat> i think it's fantastic it's, that you know, you know you 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 are bringing so much light and so much talk about yeah you know, the community because if if you're not then who is you know and there needs to be a cultural shift there needs to be a huge there needs to be shift. a cultural shift and we have to do it in numbers uh, you know i can't do it alone and um, Laverne Cox can't do it alone, and we kind of have to really, you know, um, tighten up our ship and and um, sail together because it's the it's not malicious, mm -hmm. but um, it's the unconsciousness. It's the unconsciousness of the people in power mm -hmm. that's um, that's killing us. So. You know, trans people and, and queer people, when we talk and when we, you know, um, vocalize and we when we advocate, it, it comes across as, you know, like that we're impatient or that we're frustrated of this industry. And it's, we don't want to come across that way because, you know, we obviously want to be working in this industry. But at the same time, um, we have those feelings because the unconsciousness is what's, it's what's killing the community. It's what's killing our, our sisters. Mm -hmm. Um, and you know, we need, there's a, so there's an urgency, there's an urgency to want to create as much content to reverse all of those, all of those that have been created in the last 150 years to combat all of that. We need to start creating new content that's authentic to who we really are. And that humanizes us, um, <clears throat> in ways that you know, cisgender, heteronormative folks have been humanized in in um, TV and film, you know, throughout history. Yeah, I mean, and if there wasn't, if there's anyone who can lead that, you know, I have faith that it's going to be you and oh, totally. projects. Seriously, and I yeah. really wish you the best of luck, and Thank hopefully, you. um, you'll have all of us, all of Film Creative, right behind you, supporting you, and yeah. and all your projects. We're and, we're and looking forward. Hopefully, to uh, yeah. Best of luck in uh, <laughs> yeah. the, 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 your premiere. Your, yeah, thank you for series. having me here. I'll <laughs> definitely keep you guys posted on on all the projects. Yeah, please. And uh, if you can let the audience know, like how can they follow you and um, what's your social media? Yeah, my uh, social media is very simple. It's at Rain Valdez um, on Instagram and on Twitter. I don't Twitter as much, but I am on Instagram mm. and Facebook. Uh, but so if you want to follow me, it's it's Instagram would be the way to do it. Cool. Awesome. Yeah. Well, again, thank you so much for coming and you know, talking with us, and we really appreciate you for coming. I learned a lot. Thank you. And I'm looking forward oh, to good. your projects. Yeah. Yay. Yeah. Thank so, you. <laughs> thank you, Rain Valdez. I'm Walter Talents. And I'm Arlene Della Pena. And thank you for watching and listening to Philam Creative's Voices. Peace.
Bye. Thank you. Today's episode brought to you by the good folks at Filipino Worker Center. From the heart of historic Filipino town, PwC focuses on providing programs that help meet the immediate needs of workers and their families, while at the same time building their leadership to take collective action for long-lasting change.